Hello and welcome to this edition of Deeper. It is so good to have you join us again. And uh, here we are. We are looking at the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, we are kind of just picking them randomly. Uh, I've allowed the preachers just choose whichever one they feel is speaking to them at that time. Uh, I preached on Sunday and I preached on Psalm 134. And I would love you to be able to read that now. And um, just to remind yourself of it, it's only three verses. It won't take you long. It would probably help if you read it in uh, maybe two different versions, two quite different versions. So uh, why don't you press pause, do that now, and then restart the video. So here it is. It's uh, the shortest of um, the, the Psalms were sent. It's the second shortest Psalm. And uh, it's in lots of ways quite simple, but offers us a challenge as well. And um, the context of this particular Psalm is unknown really, because as we've said, the Psalms of Ascent are Psalms that the people of Israel would sing as they traveled from far and wide over uh, long days of journeying to Jerusalem. And they would sing these songs to build their faith, to remind them of who God is, to prepare them to, to meet at the Passover with, with the rest of the uh, Jewish nation and to meet with God. Uh, but this psalm's a bit different because, as you can tell, it is sung to those who serve in the temple. And, and the context of, of this psalm is really uh, unknown. And we, we don't know at what point on this journey it would have uh, been sung. It is possibly, it was sung as the people arrived, perhaps late in the day, and went straight to the temple. Maybe that's when they sang it. Perhaps it was the sung, it was sung at the end of every day of worship and they were sung to those who were working through the night in the temple. Or perhaps it was sung as the final song of the whole Passover experience as people were starting to leave for their homes and done almost perhaps as a, as a thank you to those who have served particularly as we see in the nighttime shift. So it's really hard to discern which which is which, and we just we just don't know. Um, so we're going to go through it verse by verse as we normally do, and uh, just pick out a few bits and pieces. I would encourage you to um, watch the sermon uh, from Sunday. Uh, it makes it more difficult for me to try and draw out uh, something new for you for deeper. But uh, there are things that are here that I didn't talk about on Sunday. So even though it's only a few verses long. Uh, there's going to be some new stuff that we'll talk about. So uh, let's start with verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Uh, and in the NIV, it's, at least in most versions of the NIV, it starts off with praise. Praise the Lord. Um, the word is actually uh, a word that we talked about last deeper in that episode. Uh, bless, Barak or Baruch. Um, and that, that word is used uh, a number of times, once in each verse uh, of this uh, psalm. And here, it's, it's basically saying, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord through your worship. Bless the Lord through your praise. The, the, in lots of ways, the version of this word used here uh, means to kneel. In other words, to give honour, to show respect, um, to kind of um, offer subservience in some way. 
And so that's what, that's the kind of feel here. So although it's saying praise in the NIV, uh, the word is actually much deeper. It's not simply just worship the Lord. It's saying something about here, about coming before God as the Lord, the Lord of all, and to come before him as King of Kings. Normally when we talk about to bless, it means something like conveying something to someone, conveying a gift. Um, and when we are talking about people like us uh, blessing God, there's nothing that we can give him. He is entirely self-sufficient of himself. The only thing we can give him is honour and respect and glory and worship. When it's the other way around, when God is blessing us, as we'll uh, see later on, it's described as he is the maker of heaven and earth. He can give us anything he wants to give. He can bless us in all sorts of different ways. It's, it's an unequal relationship in, when it comes to blessing. And so this is all about the people of the, uh, um, the servants of God offering God respect and honour and worship. Uh, and they are described as servants of the Lord. And as I said on Sunday, uh, they would have been the priests and the Levites um, and, and the whole of the infrastructure around them in the temple. There would have been temple guards, there would have been cleaners, there would have been all sorts of things to, to make the temple run well, as there is with every church. Uh, and the servants of the Lord probably primarily means those who are in the choir and those who are the priests offering sacrifices, but probably also was wider than that. It is all you servants of the Lord. And so we can perhaps take it as a little bit wider than that. And um, as we saw, it was the, those who uh, minister by night. Let me just focus on that word minister. The Hebrew word means stand. And some of the versions of the Bible that you may have read uh, will say, who stand by night. Uh, and that, that word stand is often mean uh, to take place, to take your place, to play your part, to take your role. So it is ministering, but it is literally stand. And uh, we can see how uh, in, in different parts of scripture that that word stand is used to kind of take your place as a position as a posture in this uh, in this situation, a posture of service. Uh, Psalm 135 uh, verse 2 it mentions it, and Deuteronomy 10, 8, and you can look up those verses if you want to. It, but they all say stand as a way of expressing something about taking your place to minister. And it's addressed, this psalm is addressed specifically to those who minister or who stand by night. Um, and I I spoke quite at length about this uh, on Sunday. And as I said, 1 Chronicles 9 reminds us that those who were musicians, heads of Levite families, stayed in the rooms of the temple and were exempt from other duties because they were responsible for the work day and night. This was all day worship. And uh, this is specifically for those who worshipped at night. And just a, a final comment on the on the phrase "house of the Lord." Uh, it's a phrase that's used a lot in the Old Testament and not in the New. Um, house of the Lord. It was physically the place where God's presence was. Uh, you'll remember how God filled the temple with His presence, 
And it was there right at the center of Jerusalem, right at the center of the nation, right at the center of the, the people's spiritual life. It was a physical place to go to, to in some way encounter the presence of God. Uh, but of course, that is not what we have today. And um, we're reminded in, in Acts 7, in that incredible speech of Stephen, when he, he kind of highlights all the key parts of uh, Israel's journey with God. And in verses uh, 47 and 48 onwards, he says to them, he says, uh, uh, that the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. For as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me or what place for my rest? Did not my, ha did not my hand make all these things? God does not need a place to live in. He lives in the whole of the universe. And now through Christ, he lives within, within us. And so... Uh, we never use that phrase now when we talk about the church building as in some way the Lord's house, because it isn't. Uh, in in every part of the New Testament, it really talks about the people of God being the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And so it's now as people gather, that's where God is, whether it is in a church or a school or a theatre or in a big tent or wherever. That is the dwelling place of God in and amongst his people and so it's a phrase that we never use anymore uh, and i know people like to ascribe some kind of significance to church buildings and and there is a significance to them because they are places where people have prayed and worshipped and encountered god sometimes for centuries uh, that has an impact on a place but they are no longer the lord's house in the same way that the temple was. And so we move on to verse two, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Uh, so we've already had two postures. Uh, they are told to kneel, bless. They are told to stand, minister. And now they are told to lift up your hands. Uh, and those three postures are effectively what discipleship is about, isn't it? First of all, we kneel, we submit to Jesus as our Lord. And then we stand, we take our place in his kingdom, serving him. We are never, ever passengers in the kingdom of God. We all have a role to play. And I, I kind of drew that out a little bit on Sundays. I encourage people to think about how they served within the church building uh, in Sunday, every day of the week, uh, and also beyond the church building. Uh, and here they are told to lift up their hands. To lift up your hands is an expression of both worship and prayer. Uh, in, in pretty much every religion, there is something about using your hands to express something uh, in terms of prayer or worship. And uh, you can see uh, icons from uh, ancient kind of church history, you can see um, kind of models and sculptures made by other religions of people kind of lifting up their hands in some way to express worship and prayer. Uh, and so it is entirely valid that we should also lift up our hands in prayer, lift up our hands in worship. 
And uh, it's never, it's not an emotional thing. You know, some people talk about that in churches, some kind of emotional reaction. It's not, it's simply saying, Lord, I submit and I welcome you into this place. That's what it's all about. It's a ex- physical expression of what's going on within us. And uh, we should always think about, is that something that I should bring into my worship to help perhaps uh, renew it, refresh it, to express something that I'm trying to express to God? Sometimes words are just not enough, are they? And so those three postures are marks of discipleship. We submit, we stand and we take our place in the kingdom of God and serve God. uh, And we pray and we worship. That thing, as as I said on Sunday, that thing that we will do forever, for all eternity, is worship God. We will forever lift up our hands and worship. Get used to it now. Um. And where are they to do that? Well, it says in, in the, my version of the NIV, it says in the sanctuary. Um, some place will say the holy place. There is simply one Hebrew word there, and that is holiness. So either the psalmist is saying, lift up your hand, uh, lift up your hands in holiness, which is uh, uh, an idea expressed elsewhere in scripture, or uh, lift up your hands in or to the holy place. It's one, and most seem to say in the holy place, because we are talking here to those who are in the temple. And uh, in the sanctuary, there was the holy place where only the Levites and priests could go. Uh, And so they are being encouraged to go into that very presence of God and to worship and to pray on behalf of those who are now leaving. And it says again, bless the Lord. Uh, so again, it's about offer him honor, offer him respect, give him the glory, give him praise. And then we get into verse three. Uh, there are some uh, scholars who would say that actually verse three isn't the uh, the rest of the people of God still singing to the Levites and those who serve in the temple. It's actually a response from the Levites to those who are going. Um, and that's entirely possible, isn't it? it you know, it could be. Uh, for me, as I look through that, uh, it is such a short song. Uh, you wonder whether they would actually repeat that over and over and over again with this kind of, you know, uh, verse and response, verse and response. It would it'd be quite quick, wouldn't it? Um, to me, it seems far more legitimate to say that this is still the people of God singing blessing over those who have served. Uh, And so what do they say? They say, uh, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is maker of heaven and earth. And we've got that word again, bless. May God's favour be upon you this time. This isn't something about kneeling before the Lord. This is asking God to bless. Not asking God to kneel, but God to convey something of his favour on those who have served. Uh, And when it says from Zion, and simply from Jerusalem, from the very place of his presence, from the very center of this whole Jewish faith where God dwelt, from there his blessing comes. And it is significant that they say the maker of heaven and earth because uh, he is effectively the source of all blessing. There is nothing that we don't have that he can't give. And so when we come to God and and people pray a blessing over us, we're saying, Lord, give that person favour, pour out on them the gifts that they need in which to serve you, in which to 
thrive and which to flourish as the people of God. And so there you go, three very short verses, um, but there's quite a bit in it. So let's just think about what this means for us as we go a little bit wider. So there are a few things to consider here. Well, firstly, there is the most important thing that I talked about on Sunday. We are to encourage and to pray for and to bless those who serve. Uh, and I talked on Sunday about those who have served us in the night, those over the last 18 months who in church have ensured that the church has been running well, providing safe and secure worship for those who wanted to come along, providing worship online for those who couldn't come along. Uh, and that has been a, a smaller group of people than normal. That's been a skeleton staff. Uh, and so we should be encouraging them, praising them, thanking them, doing whatever we can to bless them in the name of Jesus so that they are encouraged and can continue because I can tell you now that a lot of them are tired. They've given such a lot over this last 18 months. Uh, and as I said on Sunday, it is maybe it's time for others now to step up and to give the night shift a break and to, to help and support them. So that's the second thing I want you to think about. Where are you serving? Are the ways in which you can serve God and his church uh, today? Are the, are the things that you think, I'd be, maybe I could help out with the kids or help out in the cafe, or maybe I could do some of the tech work. We are always looking for people. At the moment, there is not one aspect of church life that doesn't need more people coming along saying, yes, I'll serve. We all need it. Uh, and so I encourage you to think about that. As I said on Sunday, talk to God about it. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And if you don't feel like God's saying anything to you specifically, then talk to others. Come and chat to me or talk to other people. And I'm actually going to get you to do that later on. Uh, or simply, if you see a need, just step up. Just say, yeah, I'll do that. Or if you know that someone who's already serving is is kind of tired in what they're doing, they just need a little bit of a break. Why don't you say, well, is there a way I can help and support you? Can I take over from you for a short time? There are lots of things that you can do here. You do not always need to hear a word from the Lord to step up. Sometimes it's there's a need I need to serve because that actually is an act of obedience. We are all called to serve and we are all called to serve the Lord with gladness. Sometimes we paralyze ourselves into inaction by thinking i only need i just need to hear from god and that's it sometimes god doesn't tell us he wants us to take initiative and that is entirely a spiritual thing to do if you think there is a need if there is something in church that's bugging you about well we need to do that better go and get involved don't wait for someone else to try and do it for you or ask you to do it go step step up and then the other thing to for us to reflect on in terms of application is those three postures. To kneel, to stand, to worship and pray. You know, it's, it's hard to serve if you're not properly submitted to God. And maybe that's something for you to work through as you think through this. Because you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm happy just living my life. I just want to come to church on a Sunday or experience online worship without ever thinking about what, what it takes to make all that happen. Well, 
that's okay if that's what you want to do, but actually that's not discipleship. That's not what we're called to do. God is calling us into a an act of service that is lifelong. You know, we are all called to serve. We are called to serve the Lord with gladness. And stepping back and thinking that you don't need to take part is is a, is a disobedient act. To say that Jesus is Lord is to say, yeah, I will submit to him. And whatever he calls me to do, I'll do. And when he says serve, I'll simply serve and I'll find a way of serving that suits my gifts and suits my time, suits my energy, my season of life, and I'll just get involved. Sometimes all you have to do is just get involved and then you find God leading you. Uh, So it's hard to serve if you are not submitted to the Lordship of Christ in your life. The other side of that is that our service should lead to worship, shouldn't it? That, you know, as we serve the Lord, we should be worshipping God because we get to partner with God and what he is calling us to do. Whether that's providing worship on a Sunday or getting involved in a mission and evangelism, we are, get, we are partnering with God in the very thing that he wants us to do. As I said on Sunday, you know, actually serving is good for us. We serve the Lord with gladness, not because we are giving God something he needs. He does not need anything from us. We serve the Lord with gladness because we know that we get a blessing out of service. That should lead us to both worship and to prayer. And there are always times where people feel like their service is simply a grind. And they're just doing it because it needs to be done. And it can feel hard, uh, sometimes painful uh, and sometimes uh, people aren't always appreciative of what you're doing we all we've all been there haven't we but I was talking to someone on Sunday and uh, he said that uh, without me asking him he said you know when I get to that point I take a step back I think why am I doing this and I look back to Jesus and I'm reminded of how he served us And I just renew my sense of call and get back into it. You know, sometimes we we find it all the ground because we've taken our eyes off Jesus. We've taken our eyes off who we're doing this for. Uh, And yes, you know, others may not always appreciate what we do. But Jesus knows. And one day he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So we are to serve the Lord with gladness. We are to submit, we are to minister, and we are to pray and worship. And those three things are deeply connected. So let's just think about some uh, questions for you to consider either on your own or preferably within your missional community. So let's move on to that now. So I've got three questions for you. Uh, the first one is this. Think of someone who you're aware of who serves in church and decide how you might bless them in this coming week. It could be someone you know or someone you don't know. It could be simply a thank you, a card saying, well done, good and faithful servants. It could be a gift. It could be you buy them a cup of coffee, take them out for a coffee or something. Anything you think. Why not encourage them today? Do something 
that will help them know that you appreciate what they've done. Especially those who you know have served us well over this last 18 months. Uh, and there's a good number of people, it's been, has been a skeleton staff, but you know, it's been a, a reasonable number of people who've made sure that the building was safe, that we could do uh, uh, worship there in an, an, an encounter God and provide the online service as well. So if you know people, thank them. Think of something this week that you can do to bless them. The second question is this, uh, and this is where you uh, have to be in a group. Um, I want you to tell each other, you're not gonna like this, uh, to tell each other uh, how you think they could serve in church. It might be they're already serving, uh, in which case that's fine. Or you could say, have you ever thought of maybe doing this instead? Or as well, if they've got time, you know, some people, well, quite a lot of people actually in church do more than one role. Um, but in your group, uh, and I know I'm asking a lot, uh, just go around and say, have you ever thought about helping with the tech or helping with the cleaning or using your musical gift? Just ask that. Just raise it with them. This is not you telling them that they should do it. Uh, this is not that, okay? This is you saying to each other what you see in them as their gifts and their abilities and their skills that could be used in church. Because sometimes, I mean, I'm aware of lots of people who just seem to lack the confidence to believe that they could do something. And sometimes someone's come along and say, you know what, you could do that. You'd be brilliant at that is all they need to step up. Uh, and, you know, just if you are thinking about what, 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 what kind of things is that, uh, well, it goes from everything to, um, like, up front, kind of reading scriptures or leading intercessions uh, or uh, musical gifts. It could be um, helping with kids' work or the youth work. It can be helping with the tech stuff, either sound or with the uh, laptop. Full training will all be given for all of this. Um, it could be more behind the scenes in terms of welcoming uh, and encouraging people as they enter. Uh, it could be providing tea and coffee on a Sunday. It could be helping with the cafe midweek. Mid uh, there are all sorts of things like that that constantly need volunteers, especially at the moment. Why not share what you think people could do? Third question, and uh, this, is, this is more serious. Uh, of the three postures, kneel, stand, and lift up your hands. Which is the one that you need to work on the most? Do you need to work on your submission to Jesus as Lord? Do you need to work on, as we've already talked about, the way in which you serve? Uh, or do you need to work on your worship and prayer life? What are you going to do with that? So just share that with others and tell them what you're going to do. It's no good saying, well, I think I need to submit to Christ a bit more. How are you going to do that? What are you going to do? How are you going to check on yourself? Be accountable to each other. That's what makes us grow. Accountability. Just saying something vague and hoping that no one will ever challenge you on it will never lead to your growth. Uh, and our, our heart's desire here at Christchurch is that you grow to be more and more like Jesus and experience more and more of his favour in your life. And sometimes it takes a little bit of pain, just that accountability to say, yeah, that will force me into growth. So 
of the three postures, which do you need to work on the most? Thank you for being with us this, uh, this week. Do please join us on Sunday, either in person or online. And uh, Deepa will be with you again next week as we discuss another one of the Psalms of Ascent. So until then, have a safe week and take care. Goodbye.